Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of Let's Talk TV Live. I'm your host, Barbara Barnett, executive editor of Blog Critics Magazine and publisher, editor-in-chief, bottle washer, and everything else at the Let's Talk TV TV blog and uh, host of this here radio show. Somebody actually just put on Facebook, boy, I really love Barbara Barnett's live blog radio shows. So thank you, whoever (laughs) that was. I don't know who it was, but it was somebody off on Facebook that said that on one of the Once Upon a Time fan sites. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And we are joined tonight by our usual panel of misfits, oh, sorry, of, of TV writers. <laughs> I think we're misfits, that's about right. I, I, I'm, in a, I'm in kind of a punchy mood. I was at a wedding last night, and we got home, like, really late, and I realized about 4 o'clock in the afternoon about three o'clock in the afternoon, I was like, "Oh, I'm not going to be home tonight to watch Once Upon a Time because I don't have a screener for this episode." And I had done the interview with David Goodman on Friday, and I got back the transcript um, Saturday. Which thank you for my transcriptionist; um, they are very, very quick. Um, give a plug to them. It's a Pioneer Transcription Service. They're really quick and they're very affordable. Um, they did not ask me to put an advertisement for them on the air, but they're really good. So thank you uh, for you guys for getting that back to me so quickly. And I realized in the middle of the afternoon that not only did I have to watch the episode that night, I promised ABC that I would have the interview up Monday morning. I had also promised them that I wouldn't have it up before the show aired on the West Coast. So I knew I had a little bit of wiggle room, but I knew that my readers are always looking for that uh, review right away. So I realized in the afternoon that I hadn't really written up the interview yet. I was like, oh my God, how am I going to get this done? So I spent a lot of yesterday afternoon putting the, you know, it's like even if you get a transcript of an interview, it is hours and hours and hours of editing it just so mm-hmm. that you don't, it's not, so it's not 25 pages long. Yeah. Uh, right. Because, you know, when you're doing a Q&A, it's question, answer, question, answer. My interview style, which you've probably picked up on from interviews that I've done here, is much more conversational. So um, really picking apart the salient quotes takes hours and hours of work. So, uh, and I'm working on another one now. By the way, let me plug that one. Um, and it's going to go live tomorrow. It's an interview with Bill Corbett from Riff Tracks, also from Mystery Science Theater. Because Thursday night, all over the country, simultaneously, they will be riffing on movie screens from coast to coast, the original Night of the Living Dead. If you are listening to this and Thursday night, it will be a shared movie experience. Um, I think it's Fathom, Fathom Productions or Fathom Entertainment. Fathom Events, that's it. Fathom Events. Sorry, guys. Um, Fathom Events. And, you know, when you go to the movies and you see, like, the coming attractions, often you'll see, like, the Met Opera or, you know, One Night Only. 
well, that's one of these. So um, I'm really excited. I'm going to see it. My husband and I are going on Thursday night at our local IMAX, and I can't wait. But I'm, I did an interview with Bill Corbett, um, who also has written for Prairie Home Companion and, and a lot of other things. And um, so I did a really great interview with him, and that's going live tomorrow. So kind of keep your eyes out for that as well. Cool. And uh, what else is coming up? Any any other good TV news that you're you're hearing? Not Once Upon a Time uh, stuff though. Other than no, that. the only thing is, I mean, everybody was really moaning and groaning because Sleepy Hollow's gone for three weeks. It's because of the the World Series guys. People yeah. were like on Twitter last week. That's a great you know campaign. That's a great uh, uh, ad campaign. Fox. It's like it's only because of the World Series. It sucks because it's you know Halloween yeah. and all that. But. Well, you know, they used that used to happen on House. Yeah, it's right. frustrating because so, it's Fox. I mean, they have you have no yeah. choice, so they have yep. to do it that way. So, oh well, what yep. are you going to do? But yep, yep, uh, it used to happen House all the time, and uh, yeah, and it's interesting because, um, and I think in a really big way, um, the way that ABC is doing Once Upon a Time and and other shows as yeah. well, making the show into 11 episodes and 11 episodes helps that sort of break. Cause so they, much. Now, I yeah. asked David Goodman about that because I interviewed David Goodman on Friday, as I said, and uh, I actually asked him um, how, you know, how that plays. How does that, as one of the writers on the show, um, how, you know, he likes that. And what he said was, and I quote, um, I think it allows us to tell a very intense story. And what they he also said was they don't now have to, you know how, oh gosh, this was like on house, even on the X-Files, you know, where you stretch a narrative longer than it needs to be stretched and kind of overstay yeah. your welcome. It's like, yeah. oh, like last year on Once Upon a Time, right? They yeah. had the, mm-hmm. the Mulan, Aurora, Emma, uh, that was know, way too long. <laughs> way too long, and and on 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 house they used to do that as well, and um, it really lets them focus in. And as he said, it allows us to tell only the most important sort of exciting parts, as as opposed to trying to fill things in. And that's a, that's really a, a truth that I actually haven't heard a lot of writers say out loud. You know that we know as viewers when a show is filling in and, and biding its time and kind of spinning its wheels just because it's got to fill that time. And yeah. when and even though it's the same number of episodes, because they have a an A season and a B season, um, they can really focus in. So um, very exciting. Connie in the – Connie Standish in the chat room says, hello, good evening. And I said – and I say back to her, hello, good evening to you, too. Um, so um, so Sleepy Hollow is off the air. Revolution is going well. It's going um, I'm, very well. I'm still liking I like it. Last week. I'm yeah. loving it. I did, too. I, I, I'm anxious to see uh, Miles and uh, Monroe working together, I think, against yeah. the Patriots. I think it's going to be... I like how they what they did with that. You know, they've got the Patriots or the enemy, basically. And yeah. They're all gonna, it's going to be really, really good. And what do you think about Rachel, like, practically getting 
well, filleted by that guy. I was like, oh, my God, how is she going to get out of this? And then oh, I get out of it. That was I crazy. Know. I was like, oh, my God, really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But um and Bang Revenge up. is doing really well. Revenge yes. has been amazing. They kinda yes. changed it all around, which I'm happy they've they've got sort of like the three lead guys kind of they all want to be I mean, obviously well for Revenge I mean Emily's true love is Jack. That's and now Jack is sort of making her work with him, which is the way it should be anyway. It should be Emily and Jack working against the Grayson and their enemies. And so they're sort of doing right. that now, so I'm really happy. And, you know, Justin Hartley, who who used to be um, Green, uh, Green Arrow on the Smallville during the cast, and I guess he's going to be the love interest for, um, which I saw that coming a mile away for Nolan. Um, they kind of got a little bit snitchy uh, this week. So, but I think he's got some underlining something going on. He's got a plan. He's got a revengey something going on. He's, you know, kind of, and uh, I guess Victoria Grayson, she actually took, uh, basically took the, the local gallery away from from one of her friends and kind of got revenge on her. So it was kind of, it was really good. So it's been really it's been awesome, actually. <laughs> cool. So what are you watching, Jimmy? Well, I watched uh, the premiere of Dracula tonight earlier tonight. How was it? Um, I mean, it was good. It's not great. It's a little cheesy, but it is a period piece, and they do allow British accents, which <laughs> I'm surprised at for NBC. It's set in 1896 London, so okay. that's kind of cool. And there's a twist on several of the familiar characters, um, especially Van Helsing. They really do something different with Van Helsing, so. Oh, definitely. Who plays Van Helsing? Uh, I don't recognize any of the actors besides Jeff and Rice Myers. And yeah. and one of the bad guys um, has been in Downton Abbey. Uh, you remember oh. the the guy, uh, the older guy that the younger sister wanted to marry, but he was older and not physically fit and whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, oh, he's Yeah, in he's it. one of the villains. He's one of the villains. Oh. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, instead of uh, the villains are like um, like a secret society and stuff. He's going to be back on Downton Abbey this year. Is he? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, spoiler alert. I shouldn't say spoilers. (laughs) Uh, No, I have not seen any of Downton Abbey yet. I'm really looking forward to it. I am looking forward to the premiere in two weeks of Almost Human. Yes. Really looking forward to it. I it is really I've I've seen the pilot. It is wonderful. I'm really really excited um, about it. Um, so let's see. And and Elementary because it's kind of the shows that I follow too. Um, I really liked Elementary last week, but I'm having a really hard time remembering what it was about. <laughs> I remember. Did not record it because South Park had some problems this week. I don't know if you heard. For the first time ever, they missed their airtime. Um, they normally like get the thing finished like hours before it goes to air. Only show that does that. And they had a power outage and they missed it. So every like rerun throughout the week that it was scheduled, the TV thought was new. So it canceled my elementary at the last minute so it could record a, another false uh-huh. rerun of the not new episode of South Park. Oops, oops. Speaking of recording and DVRs and stuff, um, so I now have had my X1, my Xfinity X1 platform 
for I think three weeks, four weeks, three weeks. Mm-hmm. I'm really liking it. Um, you know what I really love the most? It, and I'm a TiVo user. I have TiVo, um, which I which I don't have anymore. Um, I have it. I have a box. If anyone wants to buy a TiVo box, um, it's a TiVo, um, like the highest end TiVo they have. Um, it's sitting on my floor. Um, but the, what I like about the X1 box, if you go to a show, like if you're in, you know, if you say, okay, I want to watch this, and uh, we watched the movie Mud um, on Saturday night which, by the way, was quite good. It's with Matthew McConaughey. I'm not a big fan of his, but um, it was a pretty strange movie. Um, kind of, I don't like coming-of-age movies generally, but my husband said to me, you know, if it was set in Scotland or in England somewhere, you'd probably love it. You, so he calls me a snob. And I said, well, maybe, and it, because it takes place in Arkansas. She, he said I didn't like it because it was like a coming-of-age story in the South, and it starred Matthew McConaughey. It has lots of strikes against it um, for me, but I actually thought it was pretty good. Anyway, what? Uh, when I clicked on the episode, or sorry, clicked on the movie, along the right-hand column, it had a whole list of movies that um, it thought that I would like. Some of them I'd already oh, seen, cool. which meant that, yeah. So whenever you, like, click on something, whether it's a TV show or whatever, it always gives you, like, a list of recommendations along the side. So if I, like, watch a disaster movie, like, I watch, I'm, like, a disaster movie. I don't know if you guys knew. Mm-hmm. Did you guys know this about me, that I'm, like, a total disaster movie whore? No. Oh, <laughs> my God. Like- I love disaster movies. I love disaster movies. I can sit there, and it's like my husband says it's like I'm burning brain cells. It's like playing <laughs> Candle Crush. He says when when you want to burn brain cells, you either watch disaster movies or play Candy Crush. So hilarious. Oh, yes, Candy Crush, absolutely. I'm on I'm on level 318. Oh my god! Wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm just I've never played that. <laughs> I really rock on uh, on Candy Crush Saga. Um, I'm on level 318. Um, but I am a disaster movie whore. So um, I will sit, like, on Sci-Fi's Disaster Saturday, and I'll just watch, like, uh, what is it called? Um, uh, Icequake. Or, well, I don't really like Icequake. But anything to do with earthquakes or tornadoes or... Stuff like that, volcanoes. I'm like, I'm there, you know. I'm like white on rice. I am right there. And um, they're all really bad, and they're all really cheesy, and they're almost all made in Canada with the same people. And I'm like totally there. Um, whether so did it's like you watch Sharknado? You know, okay, so here's the thing about Sharknado. It was like a parody. Uh, what is being discussed right now? We are going to be, we are going to be discussing nasty habits in a few. That's what Sarah Egan was asking. Um, so, so Sharknado. So the thing is, I don't like parodies of disaster movies. I like the real deal. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I won't ever watch that because I have a, a I'm a, a phobia about sharks. I can't. I, you know. Oh no, it's, a, it's it was terrible. Stupid. You won't be scared. It was, like, 
It was stupid. It was it wasn't the scary. Picture. It wasn't yeah. scary. It was it was stupid. It was just like stupid. It was awful. It was really awful. Um and the funny thing is that um they uh there's gonna be a sequel. And oh, uh, too. the second one. Yeah, there'll be Sharknado Two. <laughs> Oh, I don't know, man. I don't know. I feel like it's a title. I mean, that's so clever. <laughs> I mean, any yodel off the street could die. I don't get it. And then, but then they, they, they make, you know, they're huge hits. I just, I don't get it. So, so, so anyway, my whole point with this is, so if I, if I, if I just watched like, I don't know, Volcano, hmm. you know, and, and so in the, in the right hand column, It'll have things like uh, ice quake, um, uh, you know, aftershock, um, mm-hmm. the day after tomorrow. It'll have this whole list mm-hmm. of movies that are related, and uh, I can take my pick. <laughs> it's better than I did list. like the day after. I did like I liked the day after tomorrow. I thought that was done really well. I mean, it. Yeah, it's just kind of like something that I would like be devastated if it really happened, you know. Oh yeah, I mean, day after uh, tomorrow, um, I really like. I I liked day after tomorrow. Um, I liked Dante's Peak, even though I'm not a big Pierce Brosnan yeah, fan. Yeah, I like that. Well, you I know, like so Pierce I, I like my disaster <laughs> movies. Um, I really do. So um, now my daughter is taking it to an nth extreme. And uh, loves them, but she likes the parody ones, too, especially because we will sit down and we'll watch them together, the four of us, my husband and me and her and her husband, and we'll, like, do our own riff tracks on it. It's it's hysterical. It's like we, we don't even listen to it. Anyway, so we should we go on to Once Upon a Time? Sure. There's a lot to talk about. Last night's episode was so... Oh, man. That was a oh, great episode. Jimmy, I tell, know, me, I already... tell me your thoughts. Tell me your thoughts. Where to start? <laughs> um, I mean, the, the stuff between Bay and Rumpel, which of course was the main meat of the episode, was just so powerful. And I would get, especially the scene that really stuck out to me was when um, Neil leaves Rumpel frozen in the middle of the forest. Mm-hmm. And everything Rumpel's saying is true. And I'm like, why can't you believe he's sincere? I mean, even when he panicked and tried to stab you when he thought you weren't real, he was telling you, you know, he was giving up everything for Henry. But then on the other hand, you know, he's been burned by his father so many times. I can see right. why it doesn't matter what he says, you know? Right, right. He he can't, there's nothing he can do or say that's going Mm-mm. to um, make uh, Neil believe. Um, I, I thought the episode was just stunning. Um, I could not have picked a better episode to interview somebody other than Jane Espenson because I usually in, usually interview Jane. And to sit down and talk to David, now I wish I had talked to him the day after the episode aired instead yeah. of two days before it aired, but it was just the timing um, was such that um, I was I was so spoiled when I get, went into it, because he and I talked about the episode, you know. But um, Sarah Egan says, and I totally called it that Rumpel and Pan knew each other long before he became the Dark One. Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, totally. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, it's obvious, even from the doll, you know, that, that is there, that they totally knew him. They knew each other. 
and that if there is one person that Rumpel is afraid of, it's Pan. Yeah, totally. Oh, definitely. Well, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Um, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I was saying, I was saying to Chrissy before we went on the air, um, what uh, David Goodman uh, said to me was, it's funny because I see David Goodman. I know like two David Goodmans other than him that are friends of mine. So it's like, it's like I keep flashing on. It's like, okay, is that the right name? Is that the right name? Because I know a lot of people whose last name is Goodman. But anyway, what he said to me was that this really um, teased um, that this idea that, that, you know, of what the origin story is between those two and that this was actually kind of a middle episode for that arc. Yeah. You know, that this very interesting. Yeah, I do too because they're going to pursue that. Um yeah. I just I just thought is this episode just broke my heart. It broke my oh, heart. Oh yeah, it was hard all the way around. I mean, as far as uh I you know, we were well, I was talking with you earlier, Barbara, we were talking about, you know, this whole people there's a lot of rumble fans that are all upset and everything and yeah. I'm like, yeah, like yeah, I want to talk about. I mean, yeah. he's He's wrestling with him himself and within himself. I mean, that's right. that's his feelings. You know, he he feels he's not worthy of her, and he's always felt that. And um, yeah. you know, it's it's you know, she's already seen the monster, and she still right. sees right. who he really is. I mean, I mean, real I think I, mean, I, I think you know, the, I think one of the reasons that, and I I got so many tweets this morning. After I wrote my article, after my article went up, my review went up, and I must have gotten 50 tweets in a period of about half an hour um, that people were really, really, really upset. Some of them were upset with me and, and, and challenged my veracity as a, uh, as a rumbler. Really? Wow. I couldn't believe that. I'm like, so, How that? what does that have to do with it okay, really, so wait, I mean, so, other than Skin Deep, I think it was it's my second favorite episode. So yeah, far. and Angela, sure. Angela, Angela. Okay, there's a bunch of comments here, so let's let's see. And you guys, if you want to call in, the number is seven one eight three zero five six nine eight two, and get in the queue, and and I'll bring you on if you want to come on the air. Connie says, I personally like the episode. I thought it was a good character study, but there were some people particularly on Tumblr, I keep losing this, um, who were, oh my gosh, I'm getting lots of comments here, so it's like scrolling. I apologize. Um, Tumblr who weren't wild about it, I was surprised, as I was too. Um, and maybe it was too depressing for some people, and I'm going to address that in a second. Um, and uh, Angela says, I keep getting into deba- debates with despondent rumblers. Uh, Connie says there were some people who were complaining about the lack of development in Rumpel and Bell. And um, Kara says, Connie, I'm one of the ones who didn't think st- Skin. Oh, well, he doesn't think Skin Deep was a good episode. That's interesting. Oh, my God. <laughs> really? Ah. Okay, you're in the minority, girl, because I'm telling you. That He's not a girl. It's a guy. Oh, I'm sorry. He, sorry. I, I, I'm oh, Becky! Becky's in the room. Be- Becky is here. Hi, Becky. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes, it's a repeat of Sleepy Hollow tonight. Um, yeah, I still think uh, Skin Deep is I can't the. Believe it. 
Okay, so I'm going to actually bring him on, and I'm going to ask him why. Okay, now let's not jump Wait on Wait a minute. Uh, hang Wait, on, he's I'm in the queue. The... He's All in the right. Que- he's in the queue. I'm shocked. Okay, hang on. Hey. Okay, so why why do you like... Hold on, you're tying uh, out. What? I don't know, I don't know. I just thought you were tying out for a moment. Oh, sorry. Okay, so you said in the chat room that you did not like... You are one of the few people who did not like Skin Deep in Season 1. Why? I don't know. It had a decent plot with a love plot between Belle and Stiltston. It had yeah. an interesting plot with, like, the Mumble Stiltson looking after its top, but somehow it didn't connect, you know? And she broke my review. Unfortunately, it, it seems as if the writers had to fill the episode in order to make it reach its 42-minute time span. If you're watching this, no. the episode seems like it's moving very slowly. No, they had to cut about 20 uh, minutes. Nope, you're wrong on that. You're wrong, that you're wrong, you're wrong. That's, I've read the script. Um, the script was about 20 minutes longer um, then the aired episode. Um, no, it's a pivotal, pivotal episode um, to me. I mean, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. Yeah. Um, and I respect your no, opinion. I thought um, I thought the episode was tight and, in fact, almost too quickly paced um, for the yeah, event. Yeah, that's what I thought. So I don't want to jump on you at all, but um, I just I just saw that and I was like, what? He doesn't like skin deep. <laughs> How can he not like skin deep? Oh my God. Um, I, don't I don't think it's a bad episode. I gave it like 4.5 out of 10, but I do think it's one of its weighted ones. Ooh, I do admit that it's I really don't. I do admit that repetitive and boring. Oh my God. I don't think so, man. Oh my goodness! Boring. I mean, what they did with that show, with that episode, was actually kind of ingenious. I mean, you've got Rumpelstiltskin is also the B. Yeah. They meshed those two characters together. It was brilliant. A and B. We saw, you know, kind of the budding. How they, how she, after two months, you know, she kind of broke and broke down the walls, the, the walls around him. And, I mean, the chemistry was there, the, um, you know, the rage when, when he thought that, you know, she was working with the queen to get, to get him to, you know, relinquish the dark and, one. I mean, and it was very, I thought, deeply character-driven. I don't, and I interesting, don't know what and, and I agree, I agree. And interestingly my- enough, Carlisle himself said he thought it was about one of the best 42 minutes of TV yeah. that... Um, that he's ever uh, worked on. And uh, when he was interviewed by Variety, when it was a lot of sense that he was going to be nominated for an Emmy for that episode, um, you know, people uh, basically, you know, he, he, they also agreed that Skin Deep was really one of the strongest episodes. All right, I'm going to take another call, so I'm going to put you back in the queue. Okay. Uh, All right, thanks for your chat. <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to bring in, I think this is Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Sarah. What's up? What's up? How are you doing? Oh, I'm pretty good. Last night's episode was awesome, even though I watched it at midnight, like, local time. Okay. It was, out, it was crazy, and it was it was a very, I liked this episode, and it was one of my, like, 
it's I guess this is my favorite rumple episode because it's just I guess I just like the way that Bay brings out Rumple and I like that I kinda like his story with uh his son. And so that's the yeah. kind of, that's the version of Rumple that I really like. And yeah. so that's why this episode was to me was one of one of my favorite Rumple episodes. So it I was would, a very I would good agree. Episode. I would agree. I think you know, Skin Deep might still be up there as my favorite. Um, there are so many great Rumpel episodes. Um, I definitely – now, David Goodman also wrote Price of Gold. Mm-hmm. Um, he's written Rumpel episodes in the past. I can't remember what other Rumpel episodes he's written, but I know he wrote Price of Gold, which was really the, the origin of yeah. – you know, that was first Rumpel, uh first Rumpel episode. Um. Interesting. Becky says Rumpel's true love is his son, I think. Well, I think is any parent. I mean, if you ask a parent, who do you love more than anything else in the world? They're going to say their child. Mm-hmm. You know, right. their child is um, is a part of them in a way, even a spouse. And I love my husband. I adore my husband. He is the best part of me and my my true soulmate but we would both say who do you love most in the world if you didn't say my family you would say you know my children of course and of course there's a saying that you are only as happy as your least happy child that anything else could be wonderful and great if your children are unhappy you're going to be unhappy so um and I, so I think that there's there's a lot of truth in that. Um I thought last night's episode was great. Hang on a second. I think Zach is in the queue. Is that you, Yay. Zach? Yay, Zach. Hey, Zach. I think, I think it might be. Hang on. Hang on, hang on. Hello, Good you're on the air. Hello, it's Zach. Oh, I knew I knew I'm getting you? to know the regulars phone numbers here. Um <laughs> well, my Thing keeps okay. Uh, my headset keeps getting weird on me. Um, so, was last night's episode brilliant or what? Oh, just um, oh was my god, it? yeah. I'll just do the short answer and say yes. <laughs> so, okay, so I'm going to use as a basis of discussion the um, and and by the way, it was just such a pleasure talking to David Goodman on Friday. Um, mm-hmm. I wish I had talked to him like today, but um, after the episode aired. But it was such a pleasure. You know, I said to him, I said, you know, I almost like talking to the writers more than I like talking to the actors because you can really kind of dig a little deeper. And he was like so, so chuffed by the whole idea because it just didn't occur to him. And I guess people don't like talking to, you know. I'm sorry, go ahead, Zach. Well, no, I was just going to say, like, I agree with you because, the, I mean, the actors only know so much. I mean, they only right. know as much as the script that they see, but the writers have the idea of where it's all going to go. So it's a it's lot more fun world. to ask them questions. Right. It's exactly. their work they've created. So, and, and, and the exciting news is David's next episode is episode eight. And, ooh. Um, and ooh. he is going, yeah, ooh, what was that, ooh? What was the ooh? Yeah, I'm, I, isn't that isn't that a Rumpel episode? I believe. I believe it might be, um, and he mm-hmm, is going to be, mm-hmm. he is going to be on uh, the show the next night. 
to teach awesome. him to with us. Um, I asked him at the end of our interview, and he said, yes, I would be delighted. And I, and I checked it out with Trami at ABC, and she said, done, great, wonderful. So, um, yeah, so we're going to try to work that out. So that'll be fun. Um, so, yes, so that'll be so, – so it was great talking to him. But I want to use um, my, my review as sort of a basis for the rest of the show. Because we have an hour, we have a bunch of people here, and I'm going to actually bring Meredith in on this too. So hang on. Wow, we have a lot of people on. On if anyone else wants to call in, we're here. Um, so hi, Meredith. Hi. So I'm going to. Um, so we're all here. The gang's here. We got Chrissy and Jimmy and Meredith and Sarah and Zach. Wow. We ha- and we have 14 mm-hmm. people in the chat room. We have a real party here tonight. Awesome. So, okay. Oh, Angela says she's too shy. It's okay. You can keep talking in the chat room. Um, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to start. I'm going to kind of read a lot of my review, and I'm going to stop. It's the teacher in me, right? I'm going to read, and I'm going to stop and discuss. <laughs> so... <laughs> Just got um, so much to sell. <laughs> what, what? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> okay, so this is what it says. What a terrible place poor Rumpelstiltskin is in during this week's fabulous Once Upon a Time episode, Nasty Habits. He is trying so desperately to do the right thing, he make, to make a decision not based on his self-interest, but in the noblest of intentions. With his beloved son, Balefire, presumed dead, Mike Rumpel feels that he has nothing to live for and is willing, more than willing, to sacrifice his own life to the prophecy that the boy will be his undoing and save Henry. But can he do it? So there's a lot in that paragraph. Um, mm-hmm. So Rumpel, as an, and, and in fact, it's funny because one of the things I talked about with David Goodman was Rumpel's nobility. And um, he definitely is a noble and, – and, and, and he said that was what was one of the things so much fun about writing him was that there was that, that nobility that was underlying um, the surface. And it comes out in such nice ways. So, so what is Rumpel's state right now? I mean, you know, Balefire doesn't want to have anything to do with him. And he's alive. I mean, this whole premise of going to give up his life for Henry – was based on the premise that Balefire was dead. Yeah, but you have to admit that when somebody you love is watching what you do, you feel them more of a need, not less, to do right by them. So I think actually that if his mind wasn't already made up, that his mind is made up that he is going to do this because he does not want to let him down. Okay, well, okay. So anyone else want to weigh in on this? There's silence. Um, so okay. I talk all day, so I don't want to. Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> I don't want to. So what, I'm, so, I don't want to so, talk state's conversation for anybody, but I think that I mean I think I mean I think he's being genuine. I do too. I think that he really, I really get yeah. the feeling that he actually that something changed that his that the assumption that that Neil was dead changed him, and I I mm-hmm. think he's I think he's genuine, but I think that Neil had a good point that as it gets closer to. Rumpel yeah. having to make that decision, I definitely think that conflict is going to come up again. Though. Okay, so yeah, so let me take off from that for a second. So Rumpel's intentions are great. There's no question. His intentions mm-hmm. are noble. 
Um, and I mm-hmm. and I agree with that completely. That um, that when he realized or he thought that Balefire was dead, because he feels responsible for it, that it was his own actions that indirectly led them to that place. Um, Rumpel right. was the one who brought magic back to store, brought right. magic to Storybrooke. Yes, he admitted that in the finale. In yeah. Two, so, so he um, felt that way. Right. So he believes he he was, and so he really saw, you know, all magic has a price, and this is it. And I think it did fundamentally and elementally change him. And I think that. And I think his intentions are noble. The fact that he had his shadow go and take his dagger and hide it is is an indication yeah. of that to prevent him yeah. in the end from taking the easy way out. Right. And, and, but, as you said also, Zach, as we get closer and closer and closer, and, and Rumpel, you know, as Peter Pan says to him, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, you are still that lost, lonely, abandoned boy, and that's all you ever are. And I think that, that, that there's things at play, you know, there's, um, there's this, yeah, okay, Becky says, I think Rumpel is falling back into the abyss of rejection. A familiar friend, fortunately, rejection from parents, rejection from Neil, rejection, suspected future rejection from Belle. From Belle. And I think that you have, and as I said, after the first episode this season, we have these three parallel stories, Emma, Neil, and Rumpel, who are all mm-hmm. these abandoned, rejected, lonely children. And what the price of that is when you're an adult. That's what we have to right. mm-hmm. Ooh, well, Exactly. Somebody's on TV. <laughs> Um, so I think you have this really great setup. So I don't, you know, yes, Neil has a point. Definitely Neil has a point. And Rumpel is, um, a hook was abandoned as well. Well, hook, yes. And hook, hook is an important part of the cast, but hook doesn't go back to the main beginning of the story either. Yeah. So yeah. He's not a, he's not a core part of this family. Like he's, no, he's, he's like a, the stepdad, so to speak, but he's he's not a core piece of the of this family. No, right. I like think that. he's going to not become one. Um, I don't know. I think that he's there. I think that he's really popular, and I think that um, he's he's definitely they're they're indicating that it might be that he could, but I don't think he'll ever be part of that original core. Mm-hmm. No. Well, uh-uh. No, I mean he's not related to them in any way. No. But I mean, obviously they were going to do the show. You know, they're going to focus on Neverland. I mean, and the fact of the matter is, is that you know he has, he has had uh, history with with you know uh, Bay and with Rumpel and right. with obviously right. with Pan. Right. So he's they had, had to definitely. With... Right, but he's not. He's not, I mean, the, the core of the cast, and we can't ever forget that. And I, I especially want to remind my my lovely, lovely, wonderful fans and, and readers who were tweeting me a lot this morning about, you know, why Belle isn't part of this Neverland thing, is that the core cast is Snow, 
charming Emma, Henry as a child, <laughs> Henry the child, Rumple, and um, Regina. Regina. And Regina. Thank. Oh my God. Yes, Regina. <laughs> I knew I was forgetting somebody, but that's that's the, that's the core. That's that is the core. Yep. <clears throat> and everybody else informs their story. Correct. Yes. But the story yeah. is about them. Now, I could argue that Balefire is by the Scoobies. Ha <laughs> ha, like the Scoobies. The Scoobies. Um, Lydian, <laughs> I like that. Lydian Yard. I like that name, Lydian Yard. Um, I really like that name. It belongs in a novel. Um, so, I, you know, so... So it's got, you know, it's, it, it's really about the journey of these characters. Um, and everyone else informs them. Um, it, it confuses me when people say they don't want to see more of the, yeah. we want to see what happens to them. And I think this year, you have Emma, Bay, and Rumpel on this parallel journey of finding, finding a way to move past the lonely, lost, abandoned, rejected child that they all three of them are. Yeah. And it's, yep, it's, I agree. Yep, I agree with that, too. So and a lot you of know, it, I mean... Sorry, go ahead. Go, no, go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> 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 oh, you go ahead. We're going to um, have, like, a go-ahead uh, uh, kind of one. After you, my fine. dear Alphonse, oh. is... Yes, after you, oh, my dear right. Alphonse. Um <laughs> What was I going to say? No, I don't remember. Oh, so so I want to talk about Belle and Rumple. The scenes with Belle and Rumple were brilliant. Yeah. So beautiful. Oh, yeah. We were talking about that earlier because I'm just like, yeah, bring up that. Yeah. I am loving Emily Duravin's performance of Belle in, in Neverland. She, it's obvious that it's not supposed to be the same Belle, but she, there's some, there's just this quality about her performance that's, she's always, I don't know, I'm loving the way that Emily is bringing this fantasy version of yeah. Belle. It's just, it's, it's different, but she, there's something about her performance that's getting me. It's not necessarily Belle, the character, because, you know, she's the vision just kind of sitting around talking. She's being, she, oh, she's totally rumpled Jiminy Cricket. Oh my gosh. Okay. Anyways. I hear that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So she's just, yeah, so she, so she's just sitting around being his conscience, so to speak. But at the same time, she's, she's, she's just so different. Like she's that, I don't know. I can't explain. It. I'm just loving. Well, okay. So no. Okay. That. So yes, yes. There's an element of that, that she is his, his Jiminy Cricket. Um, but, but, she is also more than that. He, she is his tether. Mm-hmm. And that, that's more than a Jiminy Cricket. He loves her and is in love with her. And for him, she is really not just what his conscience is, but also his confidence. Mm. You know, because yeah. he's, he doesn't have a lot of self-confidence. He is not, he is, and I think, I believe that even though he says the reason that he left the boat and left the ship and left all those other guys alone, I think he left because um, I believe that he doesn't want them to see him afraid. Yeah. Good. 
Right. Yeah. yeah. He'll be. You know, yeah. Yeah. He totally. would be. He would be weak, and he would. Yeah. Totally. And he is. We. He is. I mean, we are seeing all of his weaknesses. We are seeing. Mm-hmm. His, and he is pure emotion here. I mean, he is. He is running on pure emotion. And mm-hmm. you know, and his emotions are really close to the surface, and he does not want Emma or Charming or any of those guys to see him in this incredibly vulnerable state that he's in. I think he especially and, doesn't want to to have either Regina or Hook seeing it. Yeah, well, any of them, especially Regina or Hook, um, oh. and. Yeah. So, yeah. Becky says he's been crying a lot. Yes, he has. He's he's his emotions are running really close to the surface, and I think that Bell for him is his tether and and his strength um, to keep going and to keep really keeping his resolve even more than his conscience, because I think his conscience doesn't need to be. Um, doesn't need to be so bolstered because I think his conscience is in the right place right now. But I totally believe, you know, Jiminy Cricket. I like that, Jiminy Cricket whispering into his ear. Um, But I love the fact that at the end, that second scene, where he just, he wishes her away. Mm -hmm. You know, he's got that little doll out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was and cuz he does he says i don't i don't really feel much like talking now right and mm-hmm. i mean like i said earlier i mean he's wrestling with himself i mean it it and that's all he's of wrestling. it yeah yeah and uh he is yeah and, he, and i mean she's always been sort of his his i don't know i say secret weapon almost you know because yeah. he, she's the one that sort of pulls him back from the ledge all the time and Oh yeah. And I think that he's yeah. I mean, he's terrified about what he's got to do, and he wants to go through with it. And now, is he going to be able to go through with everything at the end? We, you know, who knows? But, um, but yeah, I wanted. I, I was going to mention the Peter Pan thing because I mean, wh- what did you guys think about well, wait, the whole? Hang on, one um, Henry I want, not- hang on, I want to explore one more thing with the bell okay. and thing before we go okay. on. Um, so one of the things, and I, I want to explain it, I explained it in my, in my review, but I want to make it very, very clear what I think. And, um, you know, a lot of people were saying, well, um, you know, uh, Rumpel has nothing left to live for. Well, what about Belle? Well, she actually, you know, why isn't she his something to live for? Why is it, you know, what is she, does she not count? And I was there was actually a lot of angry tweeting going on today about that. Yeah. And well, so it I wanted perfectly and I, clear and I, to me. I mean, yeah, it was, and I completely addressed that in in my review. And um, I'm I not gonna I'm gonna I don't know if I'm gonna quote it, but um, it was the the issue was that um, he said to her, he basically said to her. You're better off without me. And it's the second time he's done mm-hmm. that. Third time mm-hmm. or first time he's done that. He did that the first time back in the Enchanted Forest, right? Mm-hmm. When he, he yeah. cast her out. He did that. He did that so reluctantly. But he knew she was going to be better off without him, right? 
Yeah. And mm-hmm. he does it here again. And he says, you know, you must presume that I am dead by now. And I would presume that you would go back to, you know, have your life and forget about me. Because eventually you're going to see mm-hmm. me for who I am. And if mm-hmm. you don't see me for who I am, I'm going to hurt you. I may not intend yeah. to hurt you, but I'm going to hurt you, and I don't want that. So you're much better off to be without me. And um, and I think that is so – and people said, well, how, you know, and I said, that is the most romantic, noble thing. Yeah, absolutely. He loves her. He doesn't want her to, like, be – he wants her to be happy with somebody, and he doesn't believe. Right. Remember in the first season when he's, when he's throwing her out of the castle, she said, yeah. you could have been happy if you would just believe that somebody could love you, and he still yeah, right. doesn't believe it. Oh, and that plays into the whole thing of belief with this season, too. He has to believe right. that Belle loves him. Yes. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. I I think that he also is very tired of her being a target, you know? Regina, Hook, probably Pan at some point. He has so uh, many enemies out there. And he knows I mean, that as long as she's associated with him that nobody will ever give her peace. Even her father wouldn't do that. that would be. I don't know that that's playing into this, but that's definitely a good thought. Um, yeah, I do think he, so. I think that yeah, I, I do think that, you know, if Rumpel was gone, that Regina definitely would leave her alone because she has no actual grudge against her, per se. True. Um, so, so okay, so Lori says, Rumpel does not have any sense of self-worth. He shows that with his conversation with Belle last night and the way he kept trying to buy Bay's love in the flashback. And by the way, even in Manhattan, he was still trying to buy Bay's love back. I'm going to turn you back to a 14-year-old. He doesn't know any other way as the dark one. He's trying to forge a new path for himself. Mm -hmm. But I think that, you know, as far as as Rumpel being self-sacrificing and noble, the fact that he is willing to push aside for her own good I think is about as noble mm-hmm. and self-sacrificing as you get. Yeah. So Becky says Rumble has to learn to love himself before he can learn others, learn to love others. And I think that's the key. That's the key to this, this triple parallel path. You have our, lo- you know, when you have children who are abandoned and unloved, you ha- it, it affects you when you're an adult. And how it affects you in an, as an adult is that you don't love yourself. I mean, how can, you know, if you feel that you're unloved by everyone in your family or in your life, how can you love yourself? And that comes out in self-esteem. And, and I'm not a psychologist, so I'm not going to go into that. But, I mean, it was funny because in the last show I covered, House, um, you have an adult who is still suffering the effects of, someone who was unloved by his parents as house was unloved and how that that acts out but you still you have in once upon a time you have emma who is abandoned and rejected and can't believe that her parents love her even now she's got issues and she doesn't mm-hmm. love herself she's got such low self-esteem still Right. She's, in, she's, she's trying to embrace that. You have Balefire, 
who feels abandoned and lost. Mm-hmm. And you have Rumple who feels abandoned and lost. And you have all, so they have to learn how to accept themselves. It's like that episode, Lost Girl, mm-hmm. where that yeah. set out, right? Where it's, that was really good. You have to learn to accept who you are. Once you can accept who you are, maybe you can be on that path to getting over those terrible feelings that you have about yourself. And maybe some, you know, at some point you can learn to love you. But you can't learn, you can't love somebody else without love, loving yourself. You know, not, it, it's impossible. So um, I think that that's where I get this, that they're, they're all three of them are sort of, that's their, that's their story. Um, so, all right, I'm going to keep going on with my review here because, uh, I only got past one paragraph, and <laughs> it led to many different things. Um, hey, Barbara, before you get on, do you mind if I make a comment real quick? Oh, yeah, sure. And then Chrissy was going to say something, and I stepped on her toes. So go ahead. I was just going to say, um, yeah, like I feel like the, the whole abandonment thing, um, like it plays heavily to Regina, obviously. Yeah. Um, we've got Emma. We've got Rumple. Obviously, Neil has been abandoned. Hook has been abandoned. Snow, dad died, mom died, Regina, yep. awful. So, you know, she's kind of almost in the same boat. Charming, she is. you know, yeah. dad gone, has to figure out everything. Like, even though he's the, I think this Charming is the strongest of everyone who's there in terms of yeah. knowing himself. But I, yeah. I mean, that's probably where the dream shade thing will come in. But it seems like everybody, like all the characters who went to Neverland are all dealing with the same issue in one form or another. That's what I'm loving about it. Oh, yeah. I mean, look at Regina. I mean, look at her mother. Oh, my gosh. I mean, oh, yeah. her her mother was, was horrible. Um, what a horrible, horrible woman. Um, and yet, where did Cora's sense of self come from? You know, she was an oppressed person. So these are really troubled people. <laughs> these are really troubled <laughs> people. Oh, my gosh. A little bit. I mean, my goodness. They need four or five. not even be able, being able to admit who she is. I'm sorry. Say, they, should say again. A, they should do an It Gets Better video for Mulan. As a web exclusive. Gosh, you know, there was so much. I'm sure you've, I'm sure you've probably already discussed this to death, but I, I, I've seen some backlash from that whole situation, which I don't understand. But it's, it's not related to this episode, so I don't want to derail the conversation. Go on, no, Barbara. No, no, sorry. No, no. We can talk about that. We can talk about it. We did talk about it last week. Well, we talked about it. We had Jane Espenson on last week. Mm-hmm. So we talked about it. With yeah, I mean, what I what I was gonna say. I mean, not to. I don't want to obviously get too personal here, but I happen to be a gay person, and. It was kind of nice to see that, you know, to see myself represented on television in some way. First of all, that was the first thing. I was like, I can't mm-hmm. believe this. Second of all, I thought it was a huge deal for Disney to take the step to allow that to happen. Yeah. Like, to, for them to, that's a huge, I mean, that's a big deal. Like, that, I mean, that has huge well, implications like, for a yeah. lot of things. So, I mean, I thought it was so brave, but I mean, really, though, ultimately what it comes down to is that this show, kind of like what Eddie and Adam and everyone else have said, the show is about love and showing love in all of its forms. It was completely implied with Mulan and Aurora. If you didn't pick it up, okay. But if you did, I did I admit, okay. I admit I didn't pick it up until afterwards. 
So, but well, but, I well, but the fact the fact that they the fact that they even did that and they did it in such a subtle way, I'm actually more appreciative of the way that they did it because it was oh. it it wasn't done. I mean, there wasn't, you know, there was no big commercial saying, oh, Mulan's coming out of the closet. Like, there was yeah. no big deal about it. It was just part of the story, and they moved on with life, and it wasn't was that glad. big of a deal. Right. Well, you know, it's it's really, I love it when a show does that. And I remember, I keep going back to House, but back in the first season of House, um, there was an episode called Maternity, and it was about these babies that were sick, uh, infants, newborns. Oh, I remember that. And there were three couples that had babies, and one of the couples was um, was a lesbian couple, it, but there was nothing said about it. It just was, and I just thought that was just great. You know, it's like wow, this is this is the way it should be. You know, that it shouldn't be. Oh, here's a hammer over the head. This is just the way it is. And and you know, House, who's snarky and about everything, wasn't snarky about this. It was just it was just. There it was. And speaking of, of such issues, it was really heartening to see that uh, that uh, Governor Christie of New Jersey has dropped New Jersey's appeal yeah. attempt yep. sex marriage law in New Jersey. And, and, uh, and Cory Booker performed the first um, same-sex marriage in New Jersey, and yay for him, and yay for New Jersey. So, yep. um, yeah, it's great to see that on television. The world is changing. The world is really, really changing. So Did you it is, five years ago a Republican governor would just drop that and let it go? I mean, that's amazing to me. Oh, well, well Schwarzenegger Five was, years ago. I mean, and sh- this, it's changed so quickly. It's oh, it has such an about it's changed. It's changed completely over the last couple of years. It's just been um, a huge thing. I mean, not okay. that it's been quick over the whole – never mind. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so let's go back. Let's go back to the episode. Um, but yes, okay. points well taken, Zach. Um, okay, so um, so the question. Okay, so what going on here is um, uh, I'm, I'm skipping. Um, the situation is tur- okay. So the question that we're left with at the end of the episode: Has the wind gone out of Rumpel's sails after learning he does in fact have his son to live for? On the other hand, with Balefire not at all trusting his father, is such a noble sacrifice all that Rumpel has to offer his son? No. No. Definitely. No. Okay. Definitely. I think. I think because here's here's basically what needs to happen. Well, in my opinion, as I sit here and talk in my overlord position of the world. Anyways, so <laughs> what what I think needs to <laughs> what I think needs to happen is that you know Rumpel. He was still, like, when we were just talking about that subject, he's still trying to make a deal. He's still trying to use magic and make deals with Bay and be like, no, just, you know, do it my way and everything will be fine, I promise. And, you know, avoiding him, he needs to just be honest and mm-hmm. tell, he just needs to be honest and own up to everything and apologize. He, I mean, he needs to really, really, uh, like, acknowledge what he's done, apologize, and try to make up for it without offering something. Yeah. That's what needs to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Rumpel is a lot about the drama. And and that's what Balefire said is, you know, were you really going to do this or was this you being dramatic? Yes. And um, you know, I I think I think the wind hasn't gone out of his sails. 
And I don't know what you were saying no to, whether it was part one or part two of the question. <laughs> both, both, both of it, both of it, really. Okay. I don't, I don't think the window's gone out of his sails, and I don't think that sacrificing himself for Henry is the only thing that he can offer Neil. I mean, really, no. ultimately, what, well, ultimately, what, what he should do is he should just, well, Neil doesn't believe him, but I mean, you would think that he would, I don't know. I almost would think that he would give Neil the dagger and be like, here you go. But here he doesn't is. have the dagger. Now you, oh, he doesn't. Exactly. Have the, That's the thing. The shadow has the it. Exactly. So. But of course, uh, but Neil doesn't believe that. You know, Neil doesn't believe at all that Rumpel doesn't know where the dagger is. Yeah, no, he's completely, mm-hmm. he, no, he believes he's got, he's got a, a fail safe somewhere because he always has a plan. I mean, you know, you know, the fact of the matter is, though, Rumpel's never done anything without any kind of, you know, motivation, his own, Gentile. whatever his plan is, whatever mm-hmm. his, his ulterior motive is. And so obviously, you know, right. of course they isn't going to, Neil isn't going to believe him. And um, I wonder, I think it's, I, yeah. I wonder if this is like the first time that Rumpel is going into something that he doesn't have a hidden agenda. Right. That he doesn't. Well, I think it is. It, it is. And this is really new territory for him. He he's always in control. He is not in control. He is not in control of this situation. Pam is control. He's in control of the entire thing. So for him to kind of just be, you know, he's basically just walking in blind. He doesn't know what's going to happen. He just knows that he's willing to give up whatever he needs to do. But see, now that Neil is alive, you know, yeah, is that going to change things? And that's why he's grappling with it so much. I mean, I I think when push comes to shove, it's going to be, I think he's going to make the right decision. And the undoing is that he's not going to be the the dark one anymore. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I want to talk about the undoing. The undoing, you know, everyone sort of reads the undoing as being his death. And certainly Rumpel sees it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that yeah. will be my undoing. We've talked about this before. Uh, and then right. I'm going to go and pick up some comments from the chat room. I've been reading all your comments, guys. So if I sound distracted, there's tons. And I, I love the fact that there's a million comments in the chat room tonight. Yay, guys. <laughs> um, and by the way, if you like the show and you enjoy it, tell your friends. Bring them along next time. Um, and, and absolutely make sure you like the show on our Blog Talk Radio page and spread the word. Anyway, enough of a commercial. Um, what was I saying? <laughs> I'd really like to know how little Pam knows. I'm going to say goodbye. Okay, good night, Jimmy. I know it's late by oh, you. Good night, Jimmy. Bye. Have a good night. Bye. Good night. Have a good one. Thanks, and that you can follow uh, Jerome Wetzel TV at Jerome Wetzel TV on Twitter. Um, so, what was I saying before I got sidetracked? I, I really want to know how in the world Pam Pan knows about the prophecy. Oh, that's a really good question. How yeah. does Pam <laughs> know about the prophecy? I know all that. I think it. I totally called that. Seer before she was killed was probably a mutual acquaintance, but maybe she's the one who gave him the drawing of of Henry. Um, I don't know. I say that Sadie Blue Fairy has something. Yeah, well, you would say that. <laughs> Me and my well, because she right does, there. because she's up to something, that blue fairy. She she's is, up to something. thank you, Zach. <laughs> yes, she is. See, at least Zach believes me <laughs> in my face. <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway. okay, so let's.
see. Um, I'm going to go back and read some of these comments because we've got a million comments here. Um, okay. So uh, Lydian says, he needs to say to Neil what he said to August when he thought he was Bay. Oh, yeah. I would love to see a repeat of that that scene. Mm-hmm. Definitely. You know, I just, I've totally. just had a thought while we were talking about this. Remember when they were having their conversation and Rumpel kept calling him Bay, and then he was finally like, it's Neil. Like, that's Neil, not my yeah. name. It's Neil. Like, I almost, like, I had a thought, like, it's almost like, I wonder if there's, like, a dual thing going on there because – Rumpel still sees him as the little boy who went yeah. through the portal, and he yeah. hasn't accepted the fact that he's a grown man who can make his own decisions and yeah. do everything, which I think was kind of playing into the flashback part of last night, too. They were getting yeah. to the age where he yeah. wanted to make his own decisions. And then at the same time, it's almost like – I feel almost like Neil is having an identity crisis now because he doesn't – like now that his past is coming up in such a way, he's kind of losing – you know, like who he was, because Neil, you know, that that person that he established in our world is now having He's to not. deal with all this magical stuff. And yeah. so now it's almost like, am I Neil or am I Balefire? Like, it almost seems like he was yelling that to kind of reaffirm it to himself as much as to his yeah. dad. So. Yeah, well, I, yeah, no, I, I think that that's true. Um, and I think that's interesting because I think that Snow and Charming see Emma as their little girl, too. Yeah, exactly. So I think that there's a real parallel. More snow than charming, I think. Yeah, and I think there is a real parallel there. And I love it Mm -hmm. when when they were going to give her advice yesterday. Uh, Emma says, you know, she kind of rolls her eyes and she said, this is not the time for this right now. (laughs) Just leave me alone. (laughs) Um, So, okay, I have to go to the, I have to go to the chat room. Um, So Angela if Rumpel, if Rumpel really makes some character improvements, what happens to the show? <laughs> <Good question. laughs> there's plenty more. There's plenty more to come. I think. That I think as long as he's it. still vicious in the fa- flashbacks, then that's enough. Yeah. 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 And I, you know, I mean, because I don't they want kill Charming off. He can still be in the flashbacks. You know. Right. Right. I, I I want I don't want Rumpel to be all you know happy and and have his happy ending oh, yet. No, that would be the end of the show. We need Rumpel, uh, and I think to be honest, I think that would be something that would would end up boring Carlisle to tears to have to play, you know, happy and well adjusted, wife and two kids and yeah, a dog. Yeah, he, he actually did make a comment <laughs> where he said the idea of him and Bella having kids. Couldn't find anything more boring than that. Yeah, he said that. He has said that. And, um, yes, and that that is, you know, how uninteresting is that to – and not only is that uninteresting to play, it's uninteresting to watch. And people who think they want Belle and Rumpel together and, you know, have all that – I personally like them torn apart like this. I'm, I, I tend – I tend to be of the school that when you like when your when your main character is down, that's the time to kick him. When you're writing something, mm-hmm. so I'm of that school. I do torture my main characters, um, and I totally love that. I mean, you know, I sh- I sound like a S and M person here, and I'm not. Um, but I really I think that's that makes for interesting drama, you know. So, oh, yeah, totally. um, yeah, and and I and I would not want Rumpel to be happy. 
What I'm interested in about Rumple not being the dark one anymore, if they were, you know, if he were to stop being the dark one before the show is over, I'm interested in that because Regina didn't know magic and he taught her. And then, yeah, you know, right. other people would talk. So I'm wondering, like, if he stopped being the dark one, does, that doesn't mean he would stop using magic. He would probably have a more insightful mind on how to use it than anybody. So I'm wondering if he could just teach himself how to use it again without needing the powers. Good. I don't know if that's possible in this universe. He but could. I, you know, I'm wondering that would, that. Him, that would make him very Gandalf-like. Yeah, I was yeah. just about to say, like, he'll be like a new Gandalf. Yeah, I mean, it would be Rumple the White. Yeah, Rumple the White or, 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 or Dumbledore or something like that. I'm like, nah, it's like, yeah. I, I, like, I like my Rumple tortured. As Angela says in the chat room, I actually like the angst. Yes, I am an angst whore. It, uh, that's me saying that, not her. Um, it's what makes them interesting. I took a writing class. You are supposed to torture your characters. Like I said, the first rule of fiction is when your main character is down, you kick him. And then you kick him again. That is what that is the rule of of uh of good drama writing, whether it's a novel or whether it is a movie or a TV show. Um so Connie says, I personally thought what Neil did to Rumpel was a little rash. Uh, ah, I lost it. Um, was a little bit rash by paralyzing him. What do you guys think about that? I think they, they were both right. Like both Rumpel was trying to be, he was being true to Bay, but Bay was also right. Like he has been hurt by his father so many times that it that he can't trust them. Like that's how I that's how I saw like that scene with them. That the last scene interacting with each other. Like they were both right, and it, it was a mm-hmm. little sad that n- neither of them could listen to the other. And it was, mm-hmm. I don't know. That was a, but it was a really good scene. So that's why. Yeah, that that whole scene, that whole situation, because it's so layered and so complicated and so complex. It was, I mean, it was heartbreaking. I mean, it really was, because I'm sitting here thinking to myself, like, Rumpel has done all these atrocious things. I mean, really, he does. Right. He's done yeah. some horrible things, and yet, at the same time, I'm sitting there going, you know, thinking to myself with Neil, like, just go hug your father. Like, just go yes, hug it out, and yes, everything yes. will be fine. Right. Like, <laughs> right, right. He need, oh, definitely. You know, I think Rumpel needs a hug more than anybody, almost. Yes, because uh, really, I mean, other than Belle, like, he has he has no one. He's had no one. Like, my God, right. the poor man. Oh, I love I love this show so freaking much. Anyways. <laughs> I couldn't tell you, that. You, Zach, I can't tell. I can't tell I at all. <laughs> I, I, I actually have to, and then I'm going to go back to the chat room to get some more nuggets. But I have to say, uh, take a moment to just, pra- I've t- I praise David Goodman's writing. Um, in it, and it was great, and it was great fun, as I said, to talk with him on Friday. But I have to say something about Carlisle's performance last night. He oh my out- God, oh. he was so good. Uh, you know, just I mean, the whole war paint scene. I was oh. like, oh my God, how can you, I mean, I have never seen anyone make taking ink and putting it on your face look so profound. Oh my god! Yeah, it was incredible. Not I mean, it was like one of those like surreal moments. Part. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was oh. just a real moment for him. It you was know? a real moment. Like, oh yeah, totally. And, and, and it was I, just, you know, I was trying to figure out why, uh, and 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 Lori saying, yeah, my heart was breaking for him. Uh, yet again, yes. Um, and and I didn't actually until the bell scene realize that it was you know why is he doing that? Why is he putting this paint on his face? And um, I I couldn't. Yeah, he looks very native with the ink. That that's like war paint. And Belle pegged it. You know, it's like, well, why? You know, why do you need to have that mask? You know, what is mm-hmm. the? He doesn't have a mask. He has the clothes. You know, he has the dark one clothes. <laughs> the Lone Rumble <laughs> starring Robert Carlyle. I love it, Zach. That's great. <laughs> wow. Tonto. Wow. No, 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 no. <laughs> Not Johnny Depp, Johnny Lee Miller. <laughs> Did you not see Plunkett and McLean? <laughs> I never. Oh God! <laughs> oh, that's fabulous, Barbara. Oh my gosh! Wow. <laughs> okay, raise your hand if you've never seen Plunkett and McLean in the chat room. Raise your hand if you have seen Plunkett and McLean. Guys, have you seen it? I have. I haven't no. seen it. So if no. See, if you want to see the Lone Rumple starring Robert Carlyle, <laughs> McLean, um, which stars Robert Carlyle and Johnny Lee Miller, not reprising their roles in Train Spotting, but not repeating their roles in Train Spotting. Um, yeah, on horseback, both of them. <laughs> Katie in in Twitter says, "I've seen it. Great movie. Underrated." Totally strange score. I talked about this movie last week. You guys have to, this is the week, guys. Okay. New assignment. So watch Plunkett and McLean because okay. it's, on, it's on Netflix. You can just boot it up on Netflix and stream it. It's free. Um, it is great. It is with Robert Carlyle and, um, and Johnny Lee Miller and Alan Cumming is in it. And Liv Tyler is in it, and uh, the guy who is, and I can never remember his name, the guy who was in Gladiator, who's uh, got these scars, like, on his uh, other side of his mouth. Joaquin Phoenix. No, 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 not Joaquin Phoenix. Um, Oh, my gosh. Uh, Hang on, because I don't want to not say his name correctly. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Um. Keep talking among yourselves while I look this up. Um, I was going to ask you guys, what did you think of the, um, how uh, Tommy Flanagan couldn't hear? Who is it? Tommy Flanagan. Tommy Flanagan. Tommy Flanagan, who actually, he's in it, not Russell Crowe. No, 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 Tommy Flanagan, who actually goes back with Carlisle all the way to his days when he had his... um, his Rain Dog Theater Company back in Scotland. So for a bit of trivia. Anyway, Plunkett and McLean, that is the assignment of the week. Chrissy, what were you going to say? <laughs> no, I was just asking, like, what did you guys think about the fact that Henry couldn't hear the music? And then yes. towards the end, I mean, that was really interesting. And, and Pam was really mm. fascinated by that. Yeah, and then I want to talk about... Yeah, but, Lori. Did, but did he really hear the music, or is he faking it to outwit Pan? 
I think he was more of like in denial, maybe. Like he he didn't really think about his dad for about his like air quote like abandonment from his from Emma and his family really until after Belle that Rumpel passed and Pan reminded him of it. And I think at that point he I guess he felt like like it all just hit him in that moment that it's starting to get to him that he is he no one is sort of coming for him. There's no one there for him and so that's why he's slowly like But I don't think so. I you gotta remember he's a true believer. He believes wholeheartedly that his family is coming for him. I don't care what Panta says to him. There's nothing that is gonna deter that kid. I mean, from the beginning of the series he was after Emma, you're the savior even like you know, before everyone believed who they were, he was telling them, You're this, you're this he was such the believer. There is no way in hell yeah. he could ever give that belief up. I don't care how, you know, persuasive or manipulative Pan has been. There's oh, yeah. no way in hell that he's ever going to give up on his family coming to get him. He knows I, that his I, family I, is I, I completely agree. Yep. I do, too. Yeah. I do too, because you know what? It is he's the heart. Of, he's the truest believer, and if he's the truest believer, then he can't not believe. And if he doesn't believe, he could hear the music. But if he believes, how can he hear the music? So maybe he is right. faking it. All right. So I, I there's a comment here I want to address too, uh, from Lori. Um, oh, I lost her. Okay, hang on. Lori said, I thought it was interesting that Rumpel needed the mask. And then there was the parallel to the Lost Boys in the flashback, all wearing masks. Good. Recognize Bellfire with the mask. So masks, masks, and masks. What is Rumpel's mask? Is the dark one, right? Yeah. Right. What is mm-hmm. Emma's mask? Emma's mask is Bail Bond's person, Emma, who's tough. Right. Right. Tough and cynical. She, right. She has that and tough that exterior, and she tries yep. to like be all badass, but really she's right. just, just, you know, right. little girl right. inside that's that's abandoned. So she's got a mask right now. Um, uh, actually, uh, 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 David uh, slash uh, Charming is wearing a mask now. Uh, oh, yeah. Right. right? His mask is that I'm healthy, right? Yeah. Right. So that's his mask. So everyone wears masks. And sometimes you need masks in order to put one foot in front of the next. And I think that is absolutely a possibility with all of those characters and i think that that's why rumpel was putting the paint on his so oh that's i was talking about i wanted to i got sidetracked again you guys just like (laughs) sidetrack me all the time um so i did want to say that this was just such a phenomenal episode for carlisle um he just knocked it out of the park and it wasn't by big acting you know it was by really restrained and subtle acting. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't have, you know, if you noticed that he's dropped all of Rumpel's mannerisms. Yeah, you know, even yeah. I noticed that. 
I did. She did it, and that. he did it almost sarcastically when Felix showed up yeah. in the in the heart of the yeah. Jewish believer, and he does that right. little movement. It was almost like, let me do this really quick, and then that look on his face after was like, oh god, I can't believe I did that. <laughs> he's dropped. He's dropped all those mannerisms. And but he's, take, um, he's taken the seriousness of Mr. Gold and just put on the appearance of the dark one, and so that way, like, right. it's, it's, there's no games here. He's here for the real deal kind of thing. And you know what? I want to talk about, too, Rumpel in, um, in the Enchanted Forest just after Bay disappears. And mm. that... That scene, uh, one of the things, one of the scenes that we've talked a lot about the scenes in Neverland, but that scene where Rumpel is sitting up on the roof of his house, and then he starts hearing yeah. the music. He hears the music, that, right? That was yeah. yes. And he follows was, it, and he follows it to Pan, exactly. and he's horrified. The Pied Piper. The Pied Piper. That, that, that whole scene, I just, I just awesome. want to say, Robbie McKay, who plays oh, Peter Pan, great. is amazing. He held That's his good. own against Robert Carlyle's last night, and in such an amazing way, I was like, oh. please give me more of this kid. Like, he has to be in almost great. every scene. He, he is fantastic. He went toe-to-toe with him. I'm like, oh, my God. I mean, the kid is, like, talented beyond words. I mean, I, I you know who I looked at? I look at him as sort of like the new Johnny Depp, to be honest with you. That's how good he is. And really I, I could totally see him. He's very, very talented, that kid. I, I just, I have, anyway, yes. I agree yeah, with you. I, I like, couldn't oh my believe God. it. Like, because, I mean, yeah, he's just, oh, my God, he's so good. Anyway. I know. And he looks great. He's got the ears. Like Jane Espenson said last week when we were talking about him, yeah, I guess she saw, she saw his audition tape, and they were just blown away. And then she's like, and he has his ears, those ears, you know, because they kind of stick out. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, yeah, they do. Funny when she said that, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I really, really love the cave scene when they, um, you know, were yeah. in the cave and uh, they discovered they had made that stars map. Yes. Oh. And all the drawings on the wall. I love That's that. Crazy. Oh, that was heartbreaking. He had the drawing of the darlings on the wall. Oh, my yeah. God, I was heartbroken. Was... Yeah, and their house. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I thought the whole thing, like, yeah, you know what's so interesting about that? Like, I feel so bad for him because when he ended up leaving Neverland, whenever it was, and he got to, you know, our world or what have you, with all that time having passed, like, everybody that Neil has ever known is gone, except for yeah. his dad. Like, that is such a, like... I don't that think that such, they oh are. God. I, I, I've heard that uh, the Darlings are going to be coming back in a future episode, so I think that Wendy, John, and Michael did make it over to Neverland, and I believe the boys are still around. Maybe they all are. That yeah, I, they they might be, and who knows? I think maybe, they're working for Pan. I do. Or maybe, maybe they not can Wendy, all be but restored. Maybe they boys. can all be restored to uh, to Hamlin because they didn't. That wasn't in the. Uh, actually, I take that back. The scene with Rumpel sitting on the roof was not in the Enchanted Forest. It was in Hamlin. Because he followed them to Hamlin, it look it's different. It's a different place, and they actually yeah. specifically say it's Hamlin, and they dress differently. So yes, and that was again that was real subtle because of course it's the Pied Piper of Hamlin. So they are not in the Enchanted Forest there, but yes, all those boys are missing, and I wonder if they will once Pan is defeated, which I'm guessing that he will be at some point, um, maybe. 
um, that he will be um, th- those boys might be reunited with their families. Well, I, I believe that Hamlin was just in the Enchanted Forest, just like Sherwood Forest was also in their land. Yes, it could be. Because they yeah, knew he was just the dark another one. village, you know? They knew he was the dark one. Um, Becky, let's see what uh, somebody said. Hang on a second. Um, so Angela says, still mixed on the idea of an evil pan. It's a really cool twist, but she has a soft spot for the stage musical. Well, I do too. I love the musical. I love the musical. Um, but I really do. I really love the idea that they've made pan into the Pied Piper. I mean, mm-hmm. how perfect is that? You know, pan yeah. flute. And, oh, yeah. and, and Mark Isham's score, the flute oh. music that he composed that for those scenes crazy. is so haunting and beautiful. I mean, I've yeah. never, there are a few pieces of music in these soundtracks that really blow me away. And that's one of them. Like, I've never heard something like that where I was just like, it's spooky. It's, it was just creepy, and it was, oh, it was perfect. Like, there was, it was just perfect. I loved it. He did such a bang-up job on the music. I thought it was awesome. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, and there's another comment here, too. Um, oh, I lost it again. Um, oh, yes. Um, where Connie says, um, I agree with Lori. Teenagers are usually at that stage where they feel lost. They feel angsty. They feel, and if that, that's a really vulnerable time. And if they're taken at that time where they are feeling that nobody loves them and they're given, it's like, this is how cults work. And I think this is what I said right from the beginning, that Peter Pan is a cult leader. Mm-hmm. And cults use brainwashing and cults use all sorts of other psychological manipulation in games. Um, to um, um, draw them in, to draw them in, and I really do think that this is playing out like a cult. Uh, Lydian says, "I am happy that last week, oh, that she pointed, that Jane pointed out about uh, Pan being like a a little brat in the original Jamberry novel." Um, so ha, Juniper says that the whole bonfire thing. Reminded her of Lord of the Flies. Yeah, didn't it? Ooh, oh, yeah, definitely. definitely. Very, definitely. That, whole, that whole thing is really, really creepy. Um, really creepy stuff. Um, I I would agree. I think that whole thing is, is really, you know, the whole um, lost boys in the, in the forest like that. That's a very creepy, very creepy, sinister sort of storyline. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so, wow, we're down to the last two minutes here, guys. I can't believe it. Oh, okay. Yeah. It goes fast. I can tell, by the way, my voice is beginning to fade. <laughs> I, teach, <laughs> I, I teach for two hours before I do the show, so it's talking well, for three and a half I hours. I can't wait until next week's episode. Next, Next week's episode. episode is going to be great. I'm really, really looking forward to it. Um, I was so excited for this episode that when I watched the promo for it, I literally fell back in my chair from excitement when I was with my friends. I was that excited. It was crazy. They're like, are you okay? I'm like, you have no idea what I have seen. 
It was crazy. Ah. And it was before I watched last night's episode, too. I was like, why did I do that to myself? It was crazy. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, and Becky says next week, Hook and Emma's kissy poo. <laughs> yeah, I saw the way Emma kissed him. I don't think it's a serious kiss. I have no, no idea. I think I have I no idea. I think you she's do? trying to drown sorrows in a way, you know, trying to drown her grief. Um, I think she's. I don't. Um, I don't know. I don't think. Just a little bit, y'all. Rebound. Yeah, she I don't know. To, I think she that, needs to just stay away from that pirate. That's all. Just yeah, stay away does. from the pirate. Just wait for <laughs> Neil to show up. Charming. Like, knock it off, Emma. Like, stop it. Like, just wait for Neil. Just stop yeah, it. She's I don't got, like it. You know, stop it. Yeah, I, I kind of, I kind of think that that kiss wasn't serious. I mean, he's so smarmy, so freaking smarmy. I mean, really. So Lori says maybe a spiteful kiss. Wonder if Neil is around. That oh, well that oh, maybe she's him or something. Oh, that's a possibility. I have a feeling someone's going to be watching. Someone if he was taken prisoner by the Lost Boys, I don't think they're going to find him for at least two or three more episodes. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I think he's gonna. I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, you know, somehow him and Rumpel got out of Neverland at some point. Yeah, exactly. But the way that he mentioned it at the end, it sounded like Pan set up uh, Neil to escape. Neil thought the whole time it was all him, but to me, it, yeah. now since but you Pan know what? That, I'm like, Pan is maybe Pan's, maybe Pan's wearing a mask, too. Maybe Pan's not quite as... Uh, quite as powerful as he presumes he himself he is. Yeah. anyway we're just about out of time oh my gosh so i want to thank the thank the panel chrissy and meredith and uh and sarah and zach and uh and uh, uh zombies from beneath the sea taylor um and jimmy <laughs> who left us half an hour ago so i need to say goodbye because the show is over you're going to lose the oh. audio so um, I will see you all next week, yeah? Sounds good. Yes, definitely. All righty. Don't, don't forget now, Plunkett and McLean, you got to watch it. All right. It's on my list. The Lone Rumble. Okay. <laughs> all right. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Adios.